Uh, this is, yeah, let's give them a big hand again. We appreciate you being with us, and the Lord is just adding to our assembly like I've never seen with uh, so many wonderful people coming. And, you know, let me just uh, say this. If you've just recently begun coming to our assembly, first of all, we're thrilled to death. Well, we're thrilled to life. I don't want to say thrilled to death. And the next thing I want to say is that we've been praying for you, although we didn't know your name. We've been praying and asking the, that the Lord would draw people to this fellowship and that he would let us grow and uh, that he would send the people here that he wants here. And uh, so it's not a coincidence. Uh, there's some prayer behind this thing, and I'm sure on your side of the table, too, that there's some prayer been going on your side. Lord, where should we be? And I'm actually going to talk about that today, as a matter of fact. But we just want to say how thrilled we are that you're here. And we want you to be blessed. Just take a deep breath and exhale and see what the Lord has for you. How about that? Amen. Amen. Let's get ready to give uh, a good offering to the Lord today. One of our core values that we'll talk about today is generosity. And that's not just about money. We like to give our time and serving. We like to give our talent and share that with what God has given us. And we also share of our finances. So thank you for your faithfulness today. I learned something this week about God's economy that I did not know. Of course, we're always learning something new, aren't we? If we're in the Word, you're learning something new. And there's a text that I hear quoted many times uh, at funerals, strangely enough. And it's from John 14, and it says, In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would tell you. But I go to prepare a place for you there. And I will come and receive you to myself that where I am, you may be there with me. Here's what I learned. That word mansions I have prepared in my father's house are many mansions. That word mansions, when you really study it out, goes back to the root meaning of economies. In my father's house are many economies. And I go to prepare an economy for you. <laughs> in other words, I go to prepare a place of blessing that I have designed for you. An economy. I always wondered about that, and I'm, I've been I, I'm honest. I've used it in funerals. I've at least read it, and kind of you try to always comfort people that, yes, there is a place for us to go when we die. But, you know, there's a place for us to go while we're alive. And it's wherever he's at is where he wants us to be. And he's actually creating an economy for... How many would like to be in the economy that God has created for you? And that kind of goes along with the 30, 60, and 100-fold return on the seed that we sow that the Bible talks about. When you sow a seed, you will reap 30, 60, or 100-fold. I come from Louisiana where if you plant a cup of rice and care for it, it will produce a barrel of rice. A cup produces a barrel. So you reap more than you sow, right? And then Jesus taught, he that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, but he that sows generously shall reap generously. Well, we know that you can't violate that law. That's how it works. And so it dawned on me that the blessing in my life, the economy that I live in, is because of the seed I've been sowing brought me to the economy God has created for me. Amen. And I want you to have that economy. Because look, it's better than where you're at. It's better. Nobody has entered into the best that God has for us yet. So I just want to encourage you today. You're giving today. You're sowing towards something. Leave that thinking, well, the church just wants my money. No, the church was here before you got here, so we don't want your money. Or we would have come and knocked on your door and said, would you please come to our church? We need your money. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> um, so that's not what it's about. 
but we th this goes as a word to the Lord, and we're sowing our way into the economy that he's... I just want that to bless you like it blessed me. Amen? All right, Father, we thank you for the seeds that you give us to sow because your word said you give seed to the sower and food for bread, seed for bread. So not only are our needs taken care of, our seed secures our future because we like to eat every day and we like to pay our bills every day. So we keep sowing and we keep paying it forward. And Lord, I just thank you that you will let all of us enter the economy that you have created for us. Bless this church, I ask. And everybody said in Jesus' name, amen. Our ushers are coming to receive your offering this morning and let's give cheerfully, amen. Uh, some important announcements that I want uh, you to hear. One is on, we will resume Wednesday night Bible studies in February, the first Wednesday night of February. Everybody say the first Wednesday night of February. So next week we will be announcing the studies and uh, you'll probably see it in a text before next Sunday. Um, by the way, if you're a lady and you would like to be in on the text loop, or if you're a guy, you'd like to be on a text loop, if you'll give me your number, we'll include you on those, on those texts. Uh, we don't blow you up with just something we thought of. If we send it out, it's important for you to know. So if you'll tell Michelle or I, we'll be happy to include you in that. So that's Wednesday night Bible study starting back in February. Uh, secondly, after service today... Um, if I want to meet briefly with those of you who are interested in being part of the church safety team. Um, I have some brief updates for you uh, on some of the conversations that I have been having with law enforcement and lawyers, et cetera, et cetera, on the way to getting a training set up. So I don't want to bore everybody who's not a part of that, but if you have an interest in that, uh, I would like for you to uh, be with us for just a few minutes after service. I also want to say this. I, I think that all of you are really smart people, and I want you to understand that anytime there is a mass shooting, whether it's at a church or whether it's at Walmart, which sounds, I can't even believe we say those words now. There, do you understand there's a spirit behind that? And it's not the Holy Spirit. So watch this. Be careful about letting your mind be entertained and become fearful and chattering and talking. And look, yes, we we have a we're we're putting a plan in place here. Be careful what you say and what you talk about. That you're not entertaining a spirit of fear. Amen. Because if that can occur, then the devil has won, whether a shooting occurs around you or not. The Bible said he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. Amen? Does that make sense? So let's be careful about those things. And yes, we live in a day and time now where we have to have precautions. And it's sad, and I'm not excited about it. But it's what, it's what we have to do. Um, and if you think about it, Jesus and some of his staff were even armed. So, evil is always present, but look here. God is watching over this place. There are people that meet here every Sunday morning and pray safety over this place. Before you ever get here, they're here early. They're praying. They're anointing this place. They're covering this place with protection from God, and we believe that he is our protector. And so if you hear somebody talking about, well, I don't know what's going on, you just tell them, I know what's going to happen. God's going to be in charge. It's already decided. Everything's going to be okay. Amen? But at the same time, we're going to put a safety team together. And not only will it take care of something in the event, there was, uh, we had a live shooter. We're also going to have people that are trained in the event. Someone had a heart attack or there was an accident. We're going to try to cover a lot of bases with this same team. Does that sound good? Okay, all right, enough about that. But if you are interested in that, if you'll meet me uh, just here at this table uh, for a few moments after service, we'll take care of that. Amen. All right. Um, unless somebody wants to uh, let me borrow some readers, it might take us about two hours to get through this today because I forgot. My 
Hey, there's a lot of people that are wanting to uh, become a member here. And uh, <laughs> are they a prescription? Well, I can't use a prescription reader. Let me, I'll try. I'll try. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, brother. <laughs> It'd take four hours to preach with those. <laughs> thank you, sir. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Lord. Uh, I mean, Alan, excuse me. Yeah, I think these are mine, actually. <laughs> so, because of the... Uh, numbers of people that are wanting to, that the Lord is drawing here to make this their church. I was going to do a session afterwards on the new member orientation. As I prayed about it, the Lord reminded me that there are a lot of people who've never heard our Cedar Cross uh, new member orientation. You, you just were here before and you've been a member, but you don't know what the five core values are that we're built on. And I just thought it'd be really good to review those today. And then everybody who wants to join can uh, just give us their paperwork right after service. And we'll pray over you a blessing, and as we always do, and, and can be a part. Does that sound fair? All right. If you will, turn with me to Exodus chapter 15, and we'll start there and then go backwards <laughs> over to the book of Genesis, actually. But let's start in Exodus 15. I think they're going to have these scriptures on the screen for you. Um, first of all, let me explain to you what Cedar Cross Country Church is as a church. First of all, we are a Holy Spirit-filled church. We are a church who wants to be led by the Spirit of God. We're not a committee-driven, board-driven, uh, man-centered uh, church. We, we, this is the Lord's church belongs to him. He purchased it. He's building it. He's guiding it, and it's his, and we participate in his plan with him and do our best to follow after the Holy Spirit. We're non-denominational, and that means that we have people from every background that are welcomed here and are a part of us. We all came from somewhere, but we're all going to heaven. Amen? So we, if you read in your Bible in Acts chapter 2, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts the Acts of the Apostles, that's when the first original early church, spirit-filled church, was born in Acts chapter 2. We strive to model our church after the church that's described from Acts 2 and 1 through 47. So if you would like to read that at your convenience, please do, because that's the model that we are following. Um we believe that Jesus died for every single human being. Therefore, we welcome everyone who's being drawn here by the Spirit of God. I just said a mouthful, and you missed a good chance to say amen from our members. I said we believe that Jesus died for everyone. And we know that no man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. Therefore, everybody who's being drawn by the Spirit of God is welcome here. I don't care where they're from. Here's something else. I, man, I just love what I'm learning. Wow. Now, Alan, I believe these are yours. One of the lens just fell out. <laughs> no, I'm going to keep them because I can work with this one lens. Watch me. Hey, here's what I want to say to you, and this is really appropriate right here. In Joel chapter 2, which was Joel is one of the minor Old Testament prophets, he prophesied of the church age to come. And he said it this way in Acts chapter 2, that God said, Out of his spirit would pour out onto all flesh. Everybody say all flesh. Does all mean all? Watch this. That means that the spirit of God is going to be poured out on some people who know something about God. And it means it's also going to be poured out on people who know nothing about God. Think about that. 
See, we're used to the Spirit being poured out on people that look like, act like, believe like us. And we don't have a problem with them. But the closer we get to the end, the more we're going to see people coming who go, I, I don't know really anything about the Bible. I don't even own one. I don't read one. But I know that I'm supposed to be here, and I know that I love God. And we're going to say, perfect. You're in the right place. You're in the right place. Because the Spirit of God will be poured out on not just people that know God and love Him. It's going to be poured. I don't, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't know how to wrap my mind around that. But I just know that I know the Spirit of God, and I know when I see it on somebody. And we need to learn to honor that in one in each other. So if you're having to be here and you're not really initiated in church attendance or belonging to the, a church or if you really, you might not even be like what you would consider saved, but you know you're being drawn. Wonderful. Perfect. We're the perfect place for you to be. Because everybody has to start somewhere. And the reason you're here is not a mistake. It's not a coincidence. God drew every one of us here today. The ones who are regular, the ones who are new, the ones who are guests, it was by the hand of God that we all got here today. The thing is, I think you do really well to go, wow, I think I need to sit up and pay attention. You know what that says so much to me about God's character? Because we know God is love, and we think God only pours his love out on people that know him and love him. No, he pours his spirit out on everybody. <laughs> Don't forget that. Okay, so number one, in the book of Acts, you'll see these things in chapter two. You'll see these things mentioned. Number one, those of you being drawn here who want to become a member here, I want to say to you that we recognize the great spiritual importance of your decision to choose this church to be your church, your place. Now, let me read in Acts, excuse me, in Exodus to you, why I say that. Uh, if when you have time, look, take your concordance and look up the word place. Look up the word place in your Bible. Pla look, places are very important to God. When you go back and look at creation and you look through the Bible, you will find out that God actually made places before he made people. And he made the place that he wanted the person to be before he made the person that he put in the place. I teach a series called The Theology of the Place. I just haven't had a chance to get there yet. But today I'm mentioning it because it's so important for you to be in the right place. This may be the place for you. This may not be the place for you. God is the one who makes that decision. Right? So I want you to understand, you just, just, just any church is not acceptable. There is the place God wants you to be. And when you get there, you'll see what happens. Now watch this, this in, Act, in, in Exodus chapter 15. This is so cool. This is a song that Moses uh, wrote that the entire children of Israel sang during their journey from Egypt into the place God was taking them. You know, they were in slavery for 400 years, and Moses led them out through the Red Sea, and then they had a problem with some complainers and some whiners and some gripers, and God let them wander around in between for 40 years till all the gripers and whiners and complainers died, 23,000 of them. There's a million and a half people. That just shows you it don't take much griping and whining and complaining to put a halt to a church. If you're not happy, go where you're happy. Don't make us stay here 40 years and wait. No, I, I didn't. I, that's God's deal. That's not mine. And so here's a song that they sang that talked about where they were going. Look at this in verse 17. They sang this to the Lord. You, speaking of Jehovah, will bring them in and plant them in the mountain of your inheritance. Everybody say, my inheritance. Look at the next words. In the place. Everybody say, place. 
in the place, O Lord, which you have. God has prepared a place for you. Now watch this. this. For your own dwelling in the sanctuary, O Lord, which your hands have established. How many wants to be in the place God has made just for you? That'd be a good song for us to sing right here because we're on our way to our inheritance. Are you with me? Is that not why we're all here? Amen. Amen. I'm going to keep hurrying, okay? All right, I'm going to keep hurrying. Now, I want to talk a little bit more about the place and how important it is. This is really going to bless you. Turn back in your Bible to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. While you're turning there, I'm going to continue with the teaching on the membership, and we're going to say not only do we recognize that it's a big deal that you choose where you go to church, I also want to tell you that we believe everybody needs a church home, a place to connect. Amen? And and we want to tell you furthermore that we believe that you will be here because God added you here. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 47 says, and the Lord, everybody say the Lord, say this, added to the church. Daily, those that should be saved. Who adds to the church? God. So we're just saying that we recognize you just made a big spiritual decision and you merged with the will of God, and that's how you got here. That's how you got to this. Everybody say place. All right, now watch this in Genesis chapter 22. We're going to break in on the story of Abraham when he had to go and, 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 and offer his son Isaac. Up for the Lord. Watch this story. Verse 1. It came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham. If you don't believe God will test you, here it is. <laughs> Amen. Has God ever tested you? Now, one of the tests that was in this test is whether Abraham could follow directions. If you're not leadable and guidable by the Holy Spirit, you will not wind up where, you, where God has intended for you to end up. Now watch this. So this is a, God says, hey, Abraham, this is a test. And Abraham said, here I am. Verse 2, he said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Go to the land of Moriah. Okay, we have a general area, a general will of God. And offer him there's a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will tell you because there were three mountains in Moriah. Verse 3, so Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and watched this and went to the place which God had shown him. Watch this. Finding the right church is a test. Now, let's keep reading. On the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place. Let me ask you a question. How many days can God test you without seeing what he's doing with you? If you have to know every single moment what God's doing with you, you're going to live a frustrated life as a Christian because that will eliminate the need for faith. And we're called to live by faith, are we not? The just shall live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Faith without works, here we go. You know what I'm saying? And so here God said to Abraham, go over there. And, and, but he said generally where to go, but he didn't say specifically where to go. And Abraham walked three days without having a real clue where God was taking him, but he was walking. And I say this all the time. I'm not, I may not be sure where God's taking us, but I know I'm being led. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to Jesus, I mean, stay here with the donkey and the lad, and I will go yonder and worship, and we will come back to you. I love his faith. We. We. So Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. There's a similarity. There's a parallel here, and let me just give you a clue. Jesus carried his own cross that was made out of wood. So there's a parallel here. You'll see it. Isaac, the sacrificial son, was carrying his own 
wood upon which his body was to be sacrificed. The two of them, let me just go ahead and tell you, this place is the same place that our Lord Jesus was crucified. The very identical mountain. Isn't that good? But Isaac spoke to Abraham and said, hey, Dad. And he said, uh, and he said, my father, he said, here I am, my son. And, and he said, look, here's the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb for the burnt offering? Because Isaac knew his theology. He knew if you're going to have a fire, you're going to have a lamb. He had no idea it was him. And they came to the place. Oh, they came, here it is again, the place. How many know the place is so important? Look, you... I, Trust me, you're not coming here because there's cedar on the walls and it's kind of a cool place when you walk in. You're like totally blown away. Like, wow, I didn't expect that. That's a cool place. That's not why you're here. We're glad you enjoy the aesthetics. But the reason you're here is because there's a place that you belong. A place that God has designed ahead of time before you ever got here. And so they came to the place, verse 9, which God had told him. And Abraham built an altar there, and he placed the wood in order, and he bound his son Isaac, and he laid him on the wood. And Abraham stretched out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Don't lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, since you've not withheld your son, your only son. Remember, Jesus was God's only son sacrificed on this same mountain. The parallels are powerful. Then Abraham lifted his eyes and looked, and there, everybody say there, in the place that God had appointed for him, there in that place was a ram caught in the thicket by its horns. And so Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place. I'm talking to you about the theology of the place. And this is just one of hundreds of examples, but it's so powerful. And Abraham called the name of the place the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, in the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided in the place. God made that mountain. He made that thicket. He made that ram. And there were two other mountains and two other places that Abraham could have said, well, I like this one over here better. I'm just telling you, if you don't have your flesh under control, you'll do something that you want to do that's not in God's plans, and you will miss. Here's what's sad. You'll miss God's provision because his provision is in the place. What if he had gone to the wrong place? I mean, it was a mountain. It was in the land of Moriah. He was in the right neighborhood, but he's in the wrong place. Amen? Man, this is, this is powerful, isn't it? Aren't you glad you're in the right place? <laughs> Amen. Now, look. Look, I want to talk to you about this provision for just a minute. And I'm not going to name this couple, but there's a couple who's just uh, been attending here for a while. And uh, they're going to make this their church home. And they said, since we've begun, begun coming to this place, I want you to know that uh, we got approved for our first home loan. We're, pre -pre we're going to buy our first house. And uh, they, they both got interviews for jobs with more money. Just because they got in the place. They got in the right place. That's the only thing you can say about it. There's nothing magical about this building. There's something supernatural about a place where God wants you to be. I just say praise the Lord for that. Amen. So here in verse 18, is it? Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time out of heaven and said, Hey, by myself I've sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and not withheld your son. You passed the test. Now look at verse 17. I'm sorry. Blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven. This is the Abrahamic blessing, the first time it's ever mentioned. And as the sand which is on the seashore. Wait a minute. A blessing that equates to the grains of sand on the seashore? Somebody say, come on, Jesus. 
and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. In other words, you will control your enemies' movements. Oh, hallelujah. And in your seed, all of the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Got it? So, Abraham returned to his young men, and they arose and went together to Beersheba, and that's where he lived. Okay, now, <clears throat> we believe everybody needs a church home. That church home is very important. God picks the place. You make the choice to agree with God's choice of place for you. Amen? And here's what we do. We commit to you as a church. We as a church commit to you to keeping the spiritual atmosphere of unity that we have here in this church. As a church, we make that commitment to you, and we ask you to make that same commitment to the church. Amen? Now, here are five things that our church is built around. Here are the five core pillars that our church is built on. Number one stems from Matthew 28, 19, and it is discipleship. Everybody say discipleship. There's two things that we do with discipleship. We are discipled, and we make disciples. What is a disciple? A disciple is a perpetual learner, okay? So if you're not interested in learning anything else, God wouldn't have brought you here anyway because the people he draws here are disciples. They can be discipled. They can be taught. See, if I can't teach you anything, I can't help you. If God can't lead you, you can't go anywhere. Right? I mean, you can go somewhere, but he ain't going with you. What good is that? So, discipleship. To be discipled and to make disciples. And I'm not going to go deep into discipleship, but if you're coming here and you don't know anything about the Bible and about the Word of God, you come to the right place. We don't require you to know that. In many ways, it's probably good that you don't have to unlearn a lot of things so that you can just learn the Bible way, but we're not teaching you a denominational way here. We're not going to teach you to be a Baptist, Pentecostal, Catholic. You may come here as those things, but we're not going to teach you how to continue to be those things. We're going to teach you right out of the Word of God how to be a Christian, how to be a believer. Is that okay? Good. I'm glad you agree with that. Number two, we're moving quickly now. The second core pillar that we build our church on is what we call servant leadership, not just leadership, but servant leadership, and it comes from Mark 10, 45, and it talks about how Jesus is our model of a servant leader, and Jesus said even though he was God manifested in the flesh, I mean, get your mind wrapped around that. That's who Jesus was, God manifested in the flesh. He was the fullness of God. He was royalty. He was deity. He was the incarnate God. That's what the word incarnate means is God in flesh. And even though he was God, you would think he would say, I'm God, and I need you to serve me. He didn't say that. He said, I'm God, and I came to serve you. I bet you didn't. I, I bet that wasn't your first thought this morning. It might have been. I hope it was. But the fact that God sent Jesus to serve you. See, a lot of people don't want to go to church because they don't think they can serve God. Well, those people have never had the thought, God wants to serve you. Amen. <laughs> he wants to serve you. He wants to lead you. He wants to heal you. He wants to strategize you. He wants to be your partner in life and business and marriage and relationship. And he wants to be your partner. And he wants, he wants to say, come on, I've got a place that I've made for you. I've got an economy that I've created for you. Come on, let's go together. Let me serve you. Let me be your guide. See, this partnership idea is so far-fetched from religious people. But we're not into religion here. We're into relating to God. Yeah. 
We're into a relationship with God. It's a well-worn cliche, and I'm sorry that it's so worn out, but people say, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Man, I'm telling you, that's a real deal. That's not a cliche. A personal, you and, you know, the song, me and Jesus got our own thing going. Me and Jesus got it all worked out. I'm not so sure that ain't a good song. You better have your own deal going with him. He wants to have one going with you. Hey, he wants to date. Anybody want to date him? Anybody want to go steady with him? That's what he's talking about. That's pretty good, isn't it? So servant leadership is, I'm not here trying to find a place that I can work my ideas. I'm here to find a place where I can do what God's doing. I can join him where he's at work, and I can be a part of what God's doing, and I'm here to serve you. Just here to serve. So if that sounds good to you, you're in the right place. Number three, number three, community is a big deal to us. It comes from the word commune or communion. Community. And that's spoken to in John 13, 34, and 35. And when we came here and was called to be the pastor, this is the key verse. This is the very foundational verse that God laid on the cornerstone, as we rebuilt this church, this was the verse. And it should be up there. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. As, I, as is a key word right there. Not that you just love one another. But there's a way to love one another. And it's the way he loved us. How do you like the way he loved you? Are you pretty crazy about how God loves you? Well, if you don't know it, he's crazy in love with you. <laughs> Maybe you've never been told that. Maybe you don't know that, but God is so in love with you, he can't even help himself. He just falls all over himself to help you and love you and to show you that. And God said, I want you to love each other that same way. Why? Why? Why is that important? You know, it ain't the what and the how. Sometimes it's the why that makes the what and the how make sense. And here's the why. I want you to love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And by this, here's the why. By this shall everybody know that you belong to God. Now, you've probably been hugged more this morning than you ever thought you would or greeted or, or somehow giving a salutation or somebody shook hands with you a lot. We do that on purpose here. And it's not just superficial. We really mean it. I hope you feel it. I hope you feel it because it comes from our heart. We are since, uh, This church is not ours, and we're talking about belonging. But the big deal is we belong to the body of Christ. When you pray that prayer and you invite Jesus Christ into your heart, you are born again into the greatest family in the world, which is the family of God on earth. And the way that people know that you're part of that family is how you love and serve each other the way God loved and served us. Amen? And so it's a big deal. And community is a big deal here that we love each other. You also can write down in your notes Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 if you'd like to research that on the community of believers. Number four, we believe in generosity here. And that is demonstrated in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6, 7, and 8. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6, 7, and 8. Now this is a principle. Everybody want to learn a principle. Laws can change, but principles cannot be changed. This is a principle. This I say, he who sows sparingly shall also reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able. Somebody say, I, because here's what I want to teach you about generosity. It's one of the characteristics of God. For God so loved the world that he... Okay? So there's, there's, there's where God starts with giving. He gives it all. He gave his only. 
So you want to speak of generosity? You can't give more than all. So he's our model. Now, I'm glad he's not requiring us to give our firstborn. But he does want us to have the spirit of generosity. And a lot of people say, well, I don't know that I can afford to start giving to the church. Well, let me show you this. God would never ask you to do anything he would not empower you to do. Anywhere God guides you, God will provide for you. I just gave you a story where he said to Abraham, go offer your only son. And when he got there, he put a sacrifice of a ram in place of his son. Why? Because God is a provider. Are you with me? Now look at this. Look at verse 8. And God is able. Say that with me, would you? And God is able. Would you say it again? God is able. To do what? To make all grace abound. Oh, I wish I had time to teach this, but I'm just, it's so rich. I wish you'd look up the word abound and abundance all through the scripture. If you want to do a really good Bible study that'll bless you, just look up the word abound and the word abundance. Man, it'll bless you. God is able to make all, what is grace? Unmerited favor. I don't deserve it, but he did it for me. That's what grace is. God is able to make that abound. That's something you can't even put a number on. God would not ask you to be generous if he didn't give you the wherewithal to be generous. God is, I'm telling you, the only reason I am able, and, and, and Michelle and I and Marissa are able to give what we give is because God has made it abound to us. God is able to make all grace, all unmerited favor abound toward you that you, everybody say me. Say it like, say it like you're really you. Say it a little bit selfish. <laughs> Y'all are so funny. Somebody say, me. <laughs> that you or me always having all sufficiency in all things Man, that's a mouthful. Are you with me? We're talking about a, one of the pillars that our church is built on. We believe that God's always going to give us the ability to do whatever he calls us to do. God is able. Are you with me? He is able. All right. That you may see. Now, this is where don't call me a prosperity preacher because here's where we separate. That we, Why would he make this abundance abound in my life and this grace that I may have all things and be sufficient. Why would God pour that out on me? Remember I told you there's a why? Here's the why. That you <laughs> may have an abundance for every good work. That means when God moves on your heart to give, you don't even have to ask. It's like, yeah, I got that. He's already provided it. Let's write the check, baby. For every good work. Amen? Amen. <clears throat> hey, all you giving don't happen in church. Let's go ahead and exhale. Just go ahead and breathe out and go, well, I thought he was going to ask for all my money. No? Some of you are going to give it to Benny Joe's after church. Some of you are going to give it down at McDonald's. Some of you are going to give it over at Ells. Some of you are going to give it uh, at the gas station. Some of you, you know, General Motors is going to get some of it. I mean, you don't just give here. Here's what's important in giving is that you give God the first. It's the firstness of God in your giving that makes the difference. Okay. Amen. It's good to be a giver. The Bible said it's more blessed to give than receive. All right, here's the fifth and last pillar, commitment. I really need you to listen to this. As a member here, here's what I'm asking you to do. First of all, I'm asking you to make a commitment to serve God. Is that fair? 
Why would somebody go to church if they don't want to serve God? Right? So that's a no-brainer. That's a given. I'm going to serve God. Okay? Uh, so that's the first commitment that I want you to make. Then I want you to make a commitment to this family of God that's here, that you're going to be part of the community, part of the unity, part of the generosity, part of the discipleship making. You're going to be part. You make a commitment to do that. I'm going to do my part. And here's the third thing, and this is what I really need you to hear. I want to ask you to make a commitment to live a biblical lifestyle for God. Not for me. I'm asking you to make a commitment to God that you live a biblical lifestyle. Well, what do you say, okay, Pastor, what are you saying? Okay, here's what I'm saying. You remember I told you a while ago that you may not know anything about God or you may not know anything about the Word. Uh, have you ever tried to play Monopoly and didn't know the rules? It's kind of not too fun, is it? It's better to know how to play the game. Well, here, you don't have to know all the rules. In, in fact, here's what I want you to do. I want you to do the ones that you know. Because remember, the first thing I ask is that you would be a disciple. That means to become like our master. So in order to do that, that doesn't just magically happen by showing up here. Because if that were true, then if you go to McDonald's enough, you would magically become a Big Mac. <laughs> and that's not true. So just magically coming to church does not mean you are magically going to become a disciple. The way you become a disciple is by getting a Bible, beginning to read it, and study it, and let this Bible read and study you. And as you learn something about the Bible, about God through his word, I ask you to adopt what you learn and make it a part of your lifestyle. That's all I ask. You're only responsible for what you know. And here's, here's a, a real key to living for God. Only the word that you have in your life can God, that's the only thing God has to work with is the word that you know. Because you can't separate God from his word. He cannot work outside of his word. That's why it's important that you be a disciple and you begin to learn. Because the more you learn, the more God can do in your life. And so here's one reason that this is so important is because there are going to come people. Remember I said earlier today, well, the Lord, thank you so about how you're sewing this whole thing together so beautifully today. God said he was going to pour his spirit out on all flesh. So there may be some flesh come in here that knows absolutely nothing about how to serve God. And we may look at those people and go, wow, they're pretty rough around the edges on the Lord. I mean, they're kind of tough on him, you know. Hello. Yeah. And we say those people are welcome. And you may go to lunch with them, and they may cuss like a sailor while you're sitting there eating lunch. Don't you open your mouth. Because they may not know. They may tell you about the bank they robbed Saturday, and you <laughs> And they may not know that robbing the bank is not, thou shalt not steal. It just hadn't occurred to them. But when they read, thou shalt not steal, and he goes, oh, my gosh, I can't keep going down there with my mask and my gun. I got to quit that. Yeah, you do. Now you got to quit it because you know better. See, that's why I love about God. He doesn't make us try to be perfect so we can serve him. He says, just come on, and we'll work on that perfection because the direction is more important to God than the perfection. There's only one who's ever going to be perfect, and it's God. So I'm sorry to disappoint a couple of you that you're not there, but I just can't help it. i got to share the truth with you. It, the one perfect is him. So look, I ask you to live a biblical lifestyle. As you discover it in the Word of God, I ask you to begin to, watch this, either add it to what you do or subtract it from what you do.
there was a guy in the, who wrote 13 books of the New Testament. His name is Apostle Paul that we mostly know him by. But before he was saved, he was a terrorist, a first century terrorist. And he was from Tarsus, Damascus, and his name was Saul of Tarsus. And he killed Christians. That was his job. That was his passion. That was his ministry. <laughs> he killed Christians. And God miraculously saved him. And here's what Paul said. The things I used to love, man, I hate them now. And the things I used to hate, I now love. What Paul is saying is I learned how to live biblically. Are you with me? So let me just ask, and, and, and let me just close things up by saying, we love people as Christ loved us. Why? First of all, that people may know we're his disciples. And secondly, so that we can give grace to those whom God has extended grace, who may come among us who don't know all that you know. Are you with me? Their lifestyle may be dramatically different than yours, and it's okay. Let them have a space to learn and to grow. Somebody gave us time, right? Did you just get born knowing automatically all the right things to do? I didn't. So we're a work in progress, right? So if we're all a work in progress, where you are in that doesn't really matter. It's just that you're, it, you're, you're a work in progress. So that's what we ask you to do. That way we know that you're growing in the Lord, okay? Um, in closing, when I teach this uh, session, I always say this. Um, if you are coming here from another church, we hope that you're coming uh, and everything's okay. We, we hope you didn't leave badly. We hope you left good because... Good endings make good beginnings. And sometimes maybe it wasn't possible to leave good because people get involved. And unfortunately, we're none of us are perfect. But here's what I say. If you, if you came from another place and, and, and you left badly and you left hurt, uh, do your best to forgive those people. In fact, I'm, I'm just going to say forgive them, not do your best. Just forgive them. Just let it go. Write them a letter and tell them, I forgive you. I bless you. I'm moving on. Uh, I want nothing but the best for you, as hard as that might be. Because the deal is, it may not set them free, but it sets you free. And until you do that, you're in bondage to that pain. God did not make us. Hear me now. I've been waiting for months to say what I'm about to say. God does not want you wearing shackles. God wants you to wear his armor. The Bible said to put on the whole armor of God, and it tells us what those things are. They're, none of them are shackles. So it's just good to try to tidy up things if you're coming from somewhere else, and uh, let, that, let that go. Let that go. Look, God led you away from there. He's leading you somewhere. If he would have wanted you to stay there, you'd still be there. So let it go. There's a, a principle that Jesus talked about in his ministry. He said, let the dead bury the dead. If you don't know what that means, it's kind of a weird saying because dead people can't do anything. What he's really saying is let folks in your past just be in the past. Let them be there. Let them do their own thing. Don't worry about what they're doing. You, you go do your life. Amen? God has so much. He has an inheritance for you. And if you haven't received yours, then it's not anywhere you've ever been. If you've not received the fullness of God, then you have never been where he wants you to receive it at. Amen? Amen. There's a place. There's a place. Hallelujah. So uh, I'm going to pray right now, and um, 
then uh, in fact let's just stand together and uh, just bow your heads and let's let's just have a moment of uh, introspection and reflection right here now those of you that now we've all heard this teaching now we all know what our church is being built on let me say this to you Cedar Cross Country Church is by no means a finished church by that I mean we're not the super, we're not the big blue box, Walmart, do everything, have everything. There are much bigger churches that have more to offer than we do. And I was praying about that this morning. And the Lord just reminded me that good big churches were first good small churches. You don't get to just be a big good church like magically somehow because we have more people. In fact, if you're not a good small church, you cannot be a good big church because you haven't built the foundation or the culture. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Everybody can understand that. So we're a work in progress. We're not, we're not a finished. In many ways, we don't have a lot to offer you except one thing, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And we strive to offer you that. The church that God is building is being built by God. Does that make sense? This isn't a church that man is building. This is a church that man is cooperating with God while he builds his church. And it's not just a play on words. Big difference. We're not building a church we like. We are a part of a church God is building that he likes. So if you want to be a part of a church like that, you may have never, ever been exactly in a church like that. This is going to be exciting. This is going to be powerful. This is going to be liberating because it's going to be a church that has order and a church that is led by the Holy Spirit of God. And we'll all be led together. It doesn't matter where you are in your journey. You can get on board right now today. You can get on board. As a matter of fact, if you're not saved, if you haven't asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, why don't you just do it right now? I mean, it's not a big deal. It's, I mean, it doesn't require some, I mean, you, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins and I ask you to come into my heart. Come live in my heart. I'm going to get started serving you today. That gets you started serving God. I believe if you say that from your heart, you are born again and you're now on your journey of faith. Are you a finished product? No. You're a started product. Just not much, just like I am. I'm started. I'm on my way. Welcome aboard. Welcome aboard. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. It is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our pathway. It brings comfort. It brings peace. It brings order. It brings clarity. And I thank you for those that, for everyone, for all of us that you've brought here. Thank you for every single one of us, Lord. Thank you that you called us here for a purpose. The purpose is that Alvarado may know there's a witness of God's disciples, the people that love him and put him first. There's a witness in this county. Lord, I thank you that if there's anyone here today that has never even got started on their journey of faith, that right now they would say in their heart, Dear Lord, I repent of my sins. And I invite you into my heart. Let's walk together. And I pray if you said those words that you would let me know after church. Just let me know so I can rejoice with you. That doesn't mean you have to join our church. It means you've joined the great family of God. And now, Lord, I pray for those who have not officially joined our church that you have brought them here. They know you drew them here. There's a reason they are here. Lord, I just pray you give them peace now and release them to, to join us. Lord, that they might become one with us, that they can help us. We will be better because they have come, Lord. And we prayed that they would come. And we open our hearts, we open our arms, and we say, come. The Spirit and the bride say, come. Come on in. Become a part. We'll do life together. We'll struggle together. We'll shout together. 
We'll cry together and we'll laugh together. Lord, thank you for building this church. Thank you for adding to the church daily those that should be saved. Thank you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Now, those of you that uh, would like to join us, I've given paperwork to a lot of the uh, folks that have indicated that they would like to join. Uh, I may have missed a couple, but uh, if you'll come meet us right here after service with your paperwork, we'll get that handle for you. And uh, I want to pray a special blessing over you. Those that are going to be a part of the safety team meeting uh, will meet over here in just a moment, okay? Uh, huh? Oh, did I say over there? Okay, the safety team over here, and just the new members come right here and let Michelle and I greet you, okay? And I, I just ask the other members, give us just a moment to meet the, the new folks, would you? Amen. Amen. Uh, now, we have a tradition here that when we dismiss, we give the Abraham blessing. Do you look forward to that? One more little pastoral admonition. Please start using your mouth to speak and prophesy blessings over your life. Speak it over your life. It will come to pass. The Bible says, Michelle and I was just talking about this last night, the power of life and death is in the tongue. See, we all speak all the time, either life over us or death over us. Hey, start speaking life because God's honoring that. And that's what this blessing is, is a speaking of blessing over you. So if you're comfortable, let's raise our hands and let's receive that blessing. Now may the Lord bless you and may the Lord keep you. And may the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may his countenance be lifted upon you and may he give you his peace. And may you be blessed in the city and blessed in the field. And may everything your hand prosper as you operate with God in the place that he has called you to. And everybody said amen, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for those of you that are joining us. Just come right on and uh, we'll be with you. Just we'll wait for you here.